Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, I'm thrilled that you're joining us today. Now, as you listen to the show, look, I know that word sales can be perceived as, you know, the ick and manipulation and all of that kind of gross stuff. And I understand that there are certain models and businesses that are still using that old, old frame of reference. And it, we've got to change that. So to help you on your journey of change, please take my communication style assessment. The link is in the show notes. The, the importance of this is you get two reports, one spotlighting your natural superpowers. So literally how you are showing up or how you're being perceived, perception of how, how people perceive us, quickly becomes our reality. So use that as a tool. Flip side, we all have blind spots. So what is your blind spot? You don't know unless you start to explore and shine lights on things. You'll get a secondary report doing exactly that, spotlighting that blind spot or the style, the communication style that's least like you. You really need to understand that so that every time you're in a conversation with humans, right, because that's who we speak with, that we're always connecting where the person is receiving our message effectively. So again, my CSA, Communication Style Assessment, my gift to you. Now, my motivational quote today is by Catherine Ryan. And Catherine says, our attention spans have been reduced by the immediate gratification provided by smartphones and social media. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like each passing year in business my, my need to stay relevant and learn about automation, AI, and all these other platforms that get my message out there, right, in the world, it's just never ending for me. And I also feel like my messages go out there and I go into the abyss. And perhaps no one even hears or sees my messaging. I'm not really sure of my content. It's frustrating to put so much effort out for most of it, um, literally to be lost in the noise of social media that we all face. So today I'm really excited about my conversation with Park Howell. Now, Park and I actually did a show and I, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. It was episode, I think, 118, um, where we talked about his model of communicating the written word and, and story Today, we're going to pivot a little bit and talk more about the noise in the marketplace and how story can still be used. Now, Park is um, known for known as the world's most industrious storyteller, having grown purpose-driven brands by as much as 600%. He is a 35-plus-year veteran of the advertising industry and now consults, teaches, coaches, and speaks internationally to help businesses sales and marketing leaders excel through the story they tell. He is the, he is the host of the most uh, of the popular weekly business of story podcast. It's ranked among the top 10% of downloadable podcasts. So check it out. And Park uh, published Brand Bewitchery in 2020 to help us, uh, to help you use his proven story cycle system to craft spellbinding stories for your brand. And in 2021, he co-authored the Narrative Gym uh, for business. So please help me welcome Park back to the show. I'm really delighted for our conversation today. Good morning, Connie. How are good. you? I am great, Park. I'm really, this is going to be good. Uh, we had a little pre-con conversation before we hit the record button, uh, everyone. And this, I think, is going to be a truly thought-provoking episode for everyone. So Park, let's talk about this attention economy and 
what's what it is and then let's keep weaving in that need for the storytelling because i think that's how we rise above the noise but let's first start with this attention economy issue that we're all facing yeah and and two points that you made in your intro that i'd like to just comment on real quick you know you were talking about sales and people get in their mind that oh sales are creepy and whatever and that sort of thing i want people to reframe when they're thinking about selling or sales into getting people to buy in And why I say buy in, because you may not be selling a product or service, but you are trying to get your people to buy into a way of thinking, feeling, doing. You want them to buy into your vision. You want them to buy into your mission. You want your kids to buy into eating their peas, right? So to me, buying into something is more emotional and it has that you know greater impact or can have that greater impact on people. And uh, I bring that up because a lot of times I'll be sitting in a workshop or whatever, and I'll ask the leaders in the room, you know, how many of you are leaders? And they all raise their hands. And then I'll say, how many of you are in sales? And maybe half the room will raise their hand. And I'll say, spoiler alert, you're all in sales, especially as a leader, if you're trying to get your people to buy into an initiative, to buy into something, then you are selling. So that that's and number one. And one then, more thought on that. Wait, Park, yeah. one more thought on that. Not only that, the leaders out there, if you have a vision or you see something happening in your organization, you have to go to the powers that be and sell your idea for them to say, hey, here's the budget to do X, Y, Z for your employees or whatever it might be, or for the client. So you're always, I agree. We're always yeah. in sales. Okay. Sorry. You, I didn't you mean to, get them to buy in, right. And then that buy-in. Yeah. And it's so great to be back on your show. The uh, episode you had mentioned earlier, was it 118? Is that what you said? I think it was 118. Yep. Yeah. And you had talked about um, the written word. And I would just like to clarify that we really talked in depth about the end, but therefore the ABT narrative framework in that yes. show. And it can really kind of, as you know, be used for the written word for sales presentations, yes. for oral communications. What yeah. it is, is a way to build this narrative intuition for people's brains. But that brings us to today's topic about attention. And if we do not have our audience's attention, both online and in person, then we are sunk, are we not? Absolutely. It means we're boring them. It means their brain is already off somewhere else. And it is more difficult now than ever to capture and maintain a person's attention. And I came across the book. I'd heard this interview with Johan Harari. And he came out, and it was on NPR a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about his research on attention and his new book out, which is absolutely brilliant. It, I, I learned so much in reading it. It's called Stolen Focus. Okay, And he takes social media and the tech giants and ad tech on head on because he says there's there's this lab at Stanford University called the Persuasion Lab. And it's run by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Fogg, F-O-G-G. I don't recall his first name at the moment, but they literally are teaching these brainiac coders and tech folks at Stanford how to go in and manipulate and essentially rob us of our attention. And they do that, of course, with our digital devices. And how do they do that? Well, they play to the dopamine transmitters in our brains by saying you likes. Look at this. I just got a, a LinkedIn notification right here that because I've got this phone here, I could be you know pulling it up to call you to let you know that my internet's not working as it wasn't when you know, we started here. Oh, yes. I got a LinkedIn thing. Boom! I'm gonna you know 
potentially click that absentmindedly, go into it. Oh, damn, I was supposed to call Connie. Anyways, they've divide, they've designed this, of course, and this isn't news to most people, but I didn't realize how insidious it was. Like the infinite scrolling that was yeah. simply put on there so that they're playing to your limbic subconscious brain to keep you just to do this. I mean, how often have we all caught ourselves just going boom, 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 boom. So these things aren't designed to help us in a lot of different ways. Number one, the way they're designed not to help us is they are stealing our focus. They're robbing us of our attention of people around us. They're robbing us of living life. And he makes an argument in it. He says, you know, if social media, we're talking Google, Facebook, um, you know, TikTok in particular, we'll talk about the craziness of TikTok in a moment. Imagine, Connie, if they had uh, a portion of the app in there that says, hey, it's four o'clock and here are the four or five friends or colleagues in your neighborhood around you that are eager to get together today for a coffee, a drink, a sit down, a chat or whatever, and, and make that available to you, what would happen? is they would lose our FaceTime, our time, FaceTime on their apps where they derive all of their revenue because it's all advertising revenue that makes the internet free to us. And so they have to have us on there as long as they possibly can to jack up those prices so those Goliaths can make as much money as they possibly can to the detriment of our lifestyle and our attention spans. And when I dove into this, it just absolutely blew me away. It's stuff I felt like I should have known, but I didn't. Because you're running your business, right? You're at a conference right now and we're recording while he, while Park is at a conference in Phoenix. So we're on the move. And so reading that book was, was just a, a pattern interrupt for you, if you will, where you, yeah. you're thinking, wait a minute, there's something here. And your curiosity, right, as a thought leader in the world, you went down the rabbit hole, so to speak, <laughs> to say, I need to understand this. Number one, I need to understand it. But number two, how do I use it? Or how is it impacting my business? Or how is it impacting my clients? Because we want to remain relevant when we're helping our clients as well. So we have to read these books. We have to understand what's happening to the human brain because we deal with humans. The other thing I want to just comment on, do you remember, and I don't remember the movie name, but it had the um, kids and the family and they were all addicted to their phone and they tried to lock it in a uh, plastic container container. Do you remember? Is it social dilemma? Social dilemma. And they interviewed people from Facebook and through, um, I want to say Instagram, and they don't let their kids on the phones or they limit the apps. They check their apps and who they're connected with because they say that it's so bad that they don't even let their kids use the social media and the iPhone. So if that's happening, right, because they're in there, they understand this dopamine and this algorithm behind have them stay on long or have them scroll, right? So that they, and what's happening, these kids, they're addicted. We're addicted as adults, but our kids, they came out of the womb with the iPhone. So that addiction was almost from birth. And it's, it's a little scary. So think about it. It's like an online opiate, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So let, let's dig in and talk about this attention economy um, stats that you mentioned, TikTok. So I'm going to I'm going to let you because you read the book. I have not read the book <laughs> yet, but, you know, it's on my list. I'm yeah. reading this sucker. Um, just talk to me about the impact 
the impact and now the impact with you doing your research after reading the book, how is it impacting business and business owners, but also the customer? So maybe both perspectives. So I saw it in two different places this week, Um, Connie. I was at Social Media Marketing World. This is my seventh year there doing a 90-minute business of story workshop that helps kick off the whole event on Monday afternoon. And we had 600 people in attendance for that workshop. And it was, you know, a lot of fun. So I shared some of these insights with them there. And because it's social media marketing world, I asked them, of course, how many of you have your digital devices on you? And, you know, everybody in the crowd raised their hand. Now, fast forward to yesterday with Thursday in Phoenix, Arizona. I was doing another workshop for some business leaders in Phoenix, and there was about 65 in the room. It was a beautiful little uh, venue in Scottsdale, Arizona. I asked them the same question. How many of you have a digital device on you right now? Everybody except one gentleman who was sitting right in front of me, just so happened, had a digital device on them, which isn't a big surprise, is it? And he goes, I don't have mine. I left it in the car so I could pay attention. We hadn't even started talking about attention at this point. And I said to this gentleman, I said, do you realize that according to the research from this book, you are going to absorb 20% more as to what I have to say of what I have to say today and in the workshop that we're going to be doing than the rest of your colleagues here simply because they have the device sitting next to them. And Connie, what has happened, the more research I do on this stuff, and they did some research at Stanford. They had, you know, uh, undergrads come in and take tests. Those, they would split them up. Half of them got to take the test with a device in the room, and then they had a room full of people that could not bring their devices in. The people that could not bring their devices in did 20% better time and time again than those that had their device because this really super powerful limbic subconscious brain is constantly darting down, darting down. We don't even know it. Thinking, is there a notification? Is there something I got to be doing? Something that's going on? So it is a digital online opiate. And the big, smart tech folks know that. And to your point, they don't let their own kids on it because they know how, you know, on one hand, it can be powerful and and it can be positive for us, but it can be extraordinarily destructive. Now, what I've seen when I am in consulting, and I'm sure maybe a lot of your viewers and listeners have too, is it's so hard to keep the attention of that person sitting in front of you, especially if you're boring especially if you're not using narrative that the same attention-seeking subconscious brain loves, it is going to start darting away from you. And it is more prevalent now, of course, than ever. You had mentioned at the top of the show, I've been in the advertising world 35 plus years. I cut my teeth on traditional advertising before there was any internet. I mean, yeah. our first technology breakthrough was the fax machine. Yes. <laughs> <You're dating laughs> I machine. remember that. <laughs> so you could keep people's attention a lot longer. You weren't fighting the big gigantic Goliaths to try to keep this. So the impact in sales, you know, is if you were in there and you were trying to get someone really to care about your product or service, especially in your B2B world, and you're boring. Um, by the way, B2B does not stand for boring to board. <laughs> it's business <laughs> to business. You have to use the story. It's the only way that our evolution allows us to hack through that digital opioid and get into that mind to make, you know, to have it sit up 
pay attention, care about what you're talking about, demonstrate what's in it for them, and get them to push aside Google and Facebook and TikTok for a little bit so they actually listen to you. It is the one algorithm that will play in your favor. And and this so here's the antidote, right? Right. We're talking about the antidote, which is wonderful. The the fear, though, and everybody listening, you know, really hear this, because if we can be functioning 20 percent higher, what does that mean to our bottom line? Right. What does that mean to our client connectivity so that mm-hmm. maybe we get more referrals because we we are present with our, our clients more or they're able to be present with us? Um, the other thing with the, these phones. You know, you're saying subconsciously we're waiting for the ping, even though we don't realize it, right? Or the notification, the ding that a LinkedIn message came through. Um, t- we have to learn to turn off our notifications so yeah. that I'm not saying that, you know, going on LinkedIn or like you, I, I, you were running late because of the internet. But see, I, I know you well enough. And I thought, oh, he'll either send me a text message or he's going to email me. I immediately went into my emails and there was an email from you. Some internet issues. I promise I'll be there. So, I'm not saying don't use your phone, but right. because yes, we you're in Phoenix, I'm in New Jersey, we we were we were scheduled, so it's an important tool. But I think we have to understand that 95% of our actions are subconscious, and that's what we're connected to on the iPhones and and iPads and whatever it is that we're using. Really, really dangerous. So now let's talk about the antidote, which is that. B2B, not boring to boring. I love that. But that, that storytelling piece, let's bring that in. So how do we, how do we compensate, right? For or this, what's going on with that, like Pavlov's theory, right? We, we're yeah. Pavlov's, we're the dog that we're salivating and waiting for that ping. What's the antidote then? Ah, and I love that you say the antidote because one of my favorite terms that I use, um, an anecdote is the antidote. I love it. Right. So we, you and I, and everyone watching, listening, you know, our ancestors used storytelling specifically to navigate and survive the hazards of the savannah. And that was all done basically in this limbic brain, this brain that has not changed or evolved appreciably in over 200, 300,000 years is the same Mm -hmm. brain that you and I use to try to navigate and survive the hazards of the digital savanna out there that wants to devour our attention and it's built solely for it. So what we have learned in a lot of my work with Dr. Randy Olson, who, you know, is an evolutionary uh, PhD biologist from Harvard and USC film school grad and whatever, he's the one working alongside with him has really demonstrated to me how this evolutionary brain of ours not only survives, but thrives using the power of story. And by that, I mean narrative. So, so often in business, especially in boring to boring B2B communications, we and, 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 and our audiences to death. That is non-narrative. It's completely uninteresting to our, our, our limbic brain that's being attacked by Google and Facebook and whatever, and it'll switch us off in a heartbeat. But when you use that framework of and, but here's the problem. Here's that, uh, here, here's that thing that the plot twist that excites the limbic brain and goes, Oh, you've just given me a puzzle. How do we solve this puzzle? And then you're therefore brings that, you know, that solution closes your story loop. And why that is so powerful we've seen is it literally is the algorithm, the three step al- algorithm of and, but therefore 
that can compete and will compete for the attention of all the machine learning AI algorithms that these brilliant techno scientists have created to hack you and me and everybody watching to grab your attention. This is the way that you can hack through the noise and hook into the emotional center of your audience. Now, you had mentioned earlier, and this is one of the this is one of the creepiest things that I've learned, and I'm doing some more digging on this, is that TikTok, right? That we all yes. are you on TikTok, Connie? I am not. Yeah, neither am I. I've never I've never even opened the app. I've never downloaded the app. I've never looked at one neither. thing on TikTok yet. I can tell you. At social media marketing world, it was one of the biggest subjects going, not about what it's doing to us, but what how you can use it, of course, to build your brand and whatever. But TikTok comes out of, everyone knows, communist China. So you, it's not too much of a leap to know that the government in China has something to do with TikTok, and it's a brilliant surveillance mechanism for them. And it's not mm-hmm. just them. I'm not, I'm not, you know, just throwing the Chinese under the under the bus. Every tech company and ad tech company is in the business of surveillance marketing. They surveil you, me, everybody here. They know where we are. They know what we talk. They listen to you. And then they use that to queue up ads and now add AI to it that can follow and understand how we write and talk and so forth. And those ads can be written by a machine, by a bot in our tone of voice. So it's even more insidiously connecting with us. That's how scary it is. But back to TikTok, I just found this out. And yet it was kind of common knowledge with a lot of the experts there that are obviously a lot smarter than me at at social media marketing world is that TikTok, while they serve it up free to the Western world, 24-7 exposure to all the nuttiness, the goodness, and the absolute creepiness, The Chinese government limits how long to a couple of hours their children in China can watch TikTok. And then they're they're knocked off of it because they know what a powerful online opiate it is. Add to that, they filter out the crap. They filter out the disgusting, the pornography, the, the, the death, the doom and gloom, and they feed them up more science, more education, more music. So they are using TikTok for good back there while they're feeding this opiate to the, the Western world so that they can, you know, create divisiveness, uh, fake news impact our elections. And I'm not being paranoid here. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of research that back this up. At um, Netflix, I think it was a Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma Will Blow Your Mind. And the focus on that, the creator of that was Tristan Harris. He worked at Google and he, he, said, he said, man, you know, we're doing bad things here. We want to do good. And he created this deck that went viral inside of Google. And there were a lot of coders inside of Google and tech engineers saying, you're right, Tristan, this is what we want to do. We didn't mean to build this thing that supposedly does no evil. And so then they hired him, Google then promoted him into a brand new ethics role. And he said, we need you to keep an eye on our the ethics of our tech. And so he raised his hand for two years and said, we need to switch this, change that, whatever. He could never get any traction because everything he did went against their business model of we need people glued to this tech for as yeah. long as possible because that's how we can increase our advertising rates. So to me, it is utterly insidious 
Um, the internet could be used for a lot of good, and it is used for a lot of good, but it's used for way more evil than we can even possibly suspect. And we don't even realize it's happening. That's the scary piece of the puzzle. You're right. And as business owners, you, you know, I said it before, all of this AI and, and, you know, the chat GBT and, and it's like, wait, what is that? And now Kajabi, I have Kajabi, my courses and stuff. I do everything. My membership, it's all through Kajabi because it's a nice platform. It's easy to create stuff. Yeah. They now have AI. So I was on with my virtual assistant today and we were, I go, what is this? Let's, let's look at this. She showed me and I go, well, let's, let's try it. You put in keywords and like I use the word friendly, I think. So the tone of the email or the message that they created for an email was very friendly in, in, in kind of the, the, um, undertone of it. And I read it and I'm like, that's pretty freaking good. Yeah. It scared, it scared the bejeebies out of me. I have to be honest because this is the first time I'm logging into this. How did it capture my voice so quickly? This yeah. AI is the, the reiteration of it is so fast and so good that we truly are. I, I feel like, um, I don't know if you've watching The Last of Us. It was from a video game and it's on HBO Max. But so a lot it, of people the, have recommended that to us. I guess I'm going to have to watch it. I have not. It, can I tell you, my kids love it. My husband and I, it's really well done. HBO did a really nice job with the, the characters and the acting. It's really, really good storyline. But the premise is that the, the um, uh, a fungi uh, takes over the human race, right? And people who ate these pancakes or whatever, right, get this fungi, literally kills their brain. The fungi just kind of eats the brain and now they become these savages, right? And start infecting uh, the human race. So it, what you're saying is, right, this is, this is a fungi. It gets in your brain. There's, there's science behind it, but there's science behind this. And it's mm -hmm. like, we're allowing that fungi in this, in this case to start to eat our brain waves away because we're submitting to those dopamine hits of let me spend another minute. Oh, that looks like an interesting video. Oh, let me go here. And it's funny because I do not go on my phone. I do not scroll through Facebook. I'm hardly ever on Facebook and mm. my peers are. So when they, when I finally get a message a month later, I'm like, you got to email me or go on LinkedIn. I am not on Facebook because you could go down that rabbit hole so easily because things pop up because of their algorithm in the back to keep me on longer. So I fight it because I think I don't have time for this. That thank goodness I don't have time for it. So I, I go and I choose more productive things, but that doesn't always work either. Cause sometimes we do go down the rabbit hole and we start getting sucked into the different social media or articles on LinkedIn or, or what have you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the, cause your model is the ABT, which is the, and the, but, and the, therefore. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about that anecdotal anecdote using that ABT model. And once again, I did look, uh, Park, it was episode 116. 116. I think 116. Everybody, we really dug in. Park did a fabulous job of showing examples of the pre-messaging on a website, for instance, and then using the ABT model and how it's so much more concise and you get more hits and you get more uh, responses when you use the ABT model. So this is the yeah. anecdote that is the anecdote called ABT. <laughs> Please share it because I think in the context of this conversation, at least we're giving them a potential solution that they could start to investigate and then play with. Yeah. Let me, let me use an ABT real quick uh, to set that up. So the internet is a marvelous, marvelous invention by the human race. And if it was used properly, it could have tremendous impact on the happiness of societies 
across the country. But individuals are less happy than ever, primarily because of this internet that absolutely consumes our attention and in some cases destroys lives. Therefore, we have to, as a society, take a hard look at what we are doing to ourselves and what we are allowing these large companies like Facebook and TikTok and Google to do to us. So there's an example of a setup, an aspirational future, the statement of agreement, the problem, you know, but it's destroying lives because it sucks our attention and and builds this divisiveness. And then the therefore, here's what we need to do about it. And in that, therefore, let me just real quick, before we dive a little bit deeper into the ABT, let me give your viewers um, some resources that I'm reading through anyways, just so they don't think I'm some sort of aluminum foil hat, wacko conspiracy theorist, because I'm not. I just did drive down this. Number one, I would have you all follow Bob Hoffman, called the Ad Contrarian out of uh, uh, San Francisco. He has done tremendous research. In fact, he just got back from speaking to the European Parliament about the hideous nature of tracking and ad tech. He wrote a book that came out last year. And after you read this book, if you are buying any sort of digital advertising, it will make you think five times about why you're doing it. It's called Ad Scam by Bob Hoffman. It's a short book. It details all the research that he found that said basically one to three dollars out of every one hundred dollars spent online for advertising is actually getting to the proper audience. Everything else is being skimmed off. It's anywhere from estimated to be an 80 billion to 160 billion dollar annual fraud the largest business fraud ever perpetrated on the planet is digital advertising because of all the middleman and the no, there's zero way of catching these people. So you're going to think twice about that. Start with that because he jumps into ad tech and tracking and surveillance marketing and how we're all being surveilled. Then absolutely look at that um, stolen focus. It will wake you up to the focus of yourself and those you're trying to connect with Watch that video or watch that documentary you're you're talking about, um, The Social Dilemma, and go online and watch uh, either the TED Talk or some of the videos that Tristan, he pronounces uh, Tristan, but it's Tristan spelled Harris. And in an hour or two, it will blow your, blow your mind. And this isn't going away, Connie. So we all have to figure out what is the antidote. It is an anecdote. It is storytelling. We, as homo sapiens, are essentially storytelling apes. We are the only organisms that we know of that think, plan, organize, and act in story. So started this about, you know, talking about every sale, um, you know, use storytelling. Why? Because every sale is a fictional account of something. You are trying to paint what a brighter tomorrow is going to look like, which is complete and utter fiction, until you make that happen. Then when you make that happen, your job, of course, is to turn that fiction into fact. And what you're doing is you're leading that fellow homo sapien by the hand using the exact same technology, the very first technology of attention grabbing and meaning making that we've ever had as a civilization. And that is the algorithm of storytelling. 
And the and but, therefore, is that first little cornerstone algorithm that you can build upon. Yeah. And and you have to go back and to listen to the episode 116 because the ABT will make even more sense. But this is, again, very topical because the AI, I feel like it's exploding out there. And maybe just because I'm aware of it now, I'm seeing it, right? That's that whole neuro-linguistic programming of our brain. Chat GPT is everywhere. Chat GPT, all, it's everywhere. So the other thing I just wanted to share, we are out of time, but that... that ad, that digital advertising. I remember I'm a Hallmark fan. I watch Hallmark channel, uh, especially during Christmas. Yes. I'm one of those geeks, but anyway, we were out to dinner with some ladies and it was somebody's birthday. We go out to dinner and we were talking about, Oh, did you see this one? You know, the princess, whatever it was at the Hallmark. And so my friend said, um, Oh, I missed that one. And whatever. And we had a conversation about Hallmark at dinner. The next day she texts us all. Now she hadn't, she doesn't, she hadn't ever watched a Hallmark show. So she texts us all the next day. She goes, okay, I'm creeped out. We were like, what happened? She said, I got home and she said, all of a sudden on her, she was on her iPad and something about Hallmark popped up. So we were like, stop it. They're listening. You know, Big Brother is listening. The phone, we have the, I have one here in my office, A-L-E-X-A. I don't want to say it, you so go off, right? Yeah. We are connected all the time and they're hearing, seeing you click something that goes into your personal database on Google and they're going to send you more ads about that blouse or those shoes or about those eyeglasses or sunglasses, whatever it is. It's they're watching it. I'll just share one other funny thing. So it, you know, summer's coming ladies. We have to buy our new pocketbooks. I know that's a Jersey thing. Purses. I know the rest of the world has a purse. So I was looking at Michael Kors, a little crossbody. Cause I, I like, I don't like to hold a purse. And so my husband that night and Betty goes, were you looking at Michael Kors bags or something? And I go, yeah. How'd you know that? I didn't buy one people, but I, it was too expensive. <laughs> but he, he said, I go, how did you know that? And he goes, I'm getting ads for Michael Kors now. I'm like, yeah. oh my Lord, this yeah. is what's happening. They see it. They're following it. And the anecdote is the antidote using the ABT model, which is the and, the but, the therefore. And Park did a beautiful job setting up our conversation today with the uh, the ABT. Again, go back to episode 116. Please, please, if you are curious, I love Park. He's one of my favorite thought leaders out there because you're always reading, you're always learning, and you come with such relevant conversation, but then also the solution, right? With the ABT, your model is really a solution to all of this for us to harness our energy back and our focus back. And it's another tool for us to be heard in the marketplace, especially if we're trying to change the world for good, right? And not Mm -hmm. put crap out there. I don't think you and I put crap out there. So I think the ABT helps us rise above the noise because it's big business people and we need to rise above so that we can shine our light brightly and hopefully change the world together. Um, Please, please go to Park's website, which is businessofstory.com. If you have a question or uh, something that you need directly from Park, email him at park at businessofstory.com. And the free book, can I can I share that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So it's the businessofstory.com and then it's uh, slash sales game. 
I will. That's it, right? But Park, I gave the right. I think I it will. is. I'll have to go and look. Yeah, we've got a special landing page for them there. They can go and they can also get uh, 30% off the online course that teaches them about the ABT. They can get Beautiful. a free digital download of the Narrative Gym for Business, which is a short book on it. And one other resource I'd offer up, Connie, I just did my 400th episode on the business of story. And every time I do like a milestone episode, I, I do something different. I, I, I spend more time focusing on one particular thing. And what I did on that show is brought Dr. Olson on, or I just pulled one of the, the clips from an episode we did with him, plus four other people that have taught me about the ABT in its use in a lot of different ways. If your viewers and listeners would like to have a quick deep dive into the ABT, that would be the episode business of story episode number 400 to have them listen to. That's a fabulous milestone. Congratulations. I love hearing that. Right. Again, it's relevant content. So I would subscribe as well. You subscribe to mine first people. Absolutely. (laughs) You start with Connie and then if you got extra time, She's going to rob all your attention, though, because she's so brilliant (laughs) and she's so loaded with great content that you may never get to my show. You're too cute, Park. I love it. But that, honestly, I I love you. And I I just think you're really smart and you are a thought leader. And I think you're changing the world again for good. So people listen to um, his his show as well, because we need this good content. To, I think, strengthen our minds so that we become hyper vigilant with where our focus is going. But if we don't even notice it, we can't control it. So I think between you and I, we, we, we have our people covered, which I love. So thank you again for being on. Go back and listen to episode 116 as well. And, uh, Park, just a delight. Safe travels getting home at the end of your conference. And thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Connie. Always a delight, my friend. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together, no matter where you on, on your journey of business, career, um, whatever. And as it relates to sales and growth and mindset growth, I truly hope that between my guests and I, we provide some fabulous content like we did today that's thought-provoking and that helps you regain or gain better control of where we're putting our efforts and energy so that we can all make money and do it in a really fun way, but also where we're serving the world. And I think that's that trifecta of the win-win-win. So again, um, thank you for tuning in to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.com. I truly am honored to have you on this journey of change, right, where we're trying to change your mindset of sales and business and all those other things. Please take some of the information that Park shared today. Read the book. Go listen to his episode. Go listen to the other episode that we we uh, recorded a couple of months ago. Do something. This information is fabulous. If you do nothing with it, it's simply information and we change nothing. Take that information, apply it, and I promise you, you'll see magic on the back end. Again, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for joining us, Park. And I will see you all next week. Have a great one. And I love you all. See you later. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.